Have you ever been stuck? One of the places I've been stuck many times in my life is while fishing with my father down at Hilton Head Island in South Carolina. Growing up, my dad always taught me that to get the good fish, you have to go where the fish are, right? And so we would go in the inlets there in the marshes of Hilton Head, and there in the marshes, they're made up of what's called pluff mud. Anybody ever heard that term? That's what they call it in South Carolina, pluff mud. And pluff mud is thick, black, sticky mud that requires boots much like these. It requires boots like these to get through because the mud is full of oyster shells. It's full of little crabs running around. Reeds grow out of it. And it's really messy. And so growing up, we always went out there. We put on our rubber boots that went up to about here, and we trounced through the mud to get to where the fish were. And we always walked quickly because here's the thing with pluff mud. If you slow down and you stop for even a second, what happens? You sink, and you begin to get stuck. And many times, I didn't walk fast enough. I stopped to look at something, or as a kid, I got distracted, and I would stop. And then, as soon as I stopped, I would get stuck in the mud, and I thought, well, I got stuck. I got to get myself out. And so the first thing I would do is I would yank on my left foot, and then my foot would slip out of the boot because the boot's stuck in the mud. And then my sock would get muddy, and I'd be kind of upset. So then I'd put that one back in, and I'd have my right foot, and I would try to pull that out of the mud. But what would happen is when it wouldn't get loose, when the weight of my body came back on the foot, I would actually be more stuck than I was before. And being stuck in the pluff mud is not a fun place to be. When the sun's beating down on you, when the gnats are flying all around you. And you know, it's actually, you're also out kind of in the middle of nowhere. And so then the fear begins to build up inside of you as you're stuck in this mud and you're hoping that the tide doesn't come in anytime soon. But thankfully, every time I was stuck in that pluff mud down at Hilton Head Island, my dad was near me because he would always be fishing with me. And when my dad saw that I was stuck and I would cry out to him, he would set his stuff down. He would quickly walk over to me. He would extend his fishing pole so I could get pulled out. Or he would come and he would grab me and he would pull me out of that pluff mud and he would help me get unstuck. Have you ever found yourself stuck in life? Maybe stuck in a terrible job, stuck in the airport, stuck on a bad date. Some knowing laughs there. Stuck in a bad relationship. Maybe you've just been stuck in a rut in life at some point and you feel like you couldn't get out or you just feel like you're stuck in this life that you're living that is not really what you had planned. There are many places we get stuck in our lives and one of the places I've discovered through many years of conversations, that a lot of us have felt stuck is in our relationship with God. A lot of us have felt stuck in our relationship with God, and when we're stuck in our relationship with God, sometimes it feels just like blah, or like nothing. Sometimes it feels like a growing distance between two friends. Sometimes our lives are so busy that we don't even notice that we're stuck in our relationship with God and that we're not moving forward. 
But then sometimes we know that, yeah, we're not really moving forward in our relationship with God, but we pat ourselves on the back and say, well, at least we're not moving further away from God. We're kind of maintaining. But the reality is, is that our relationship with God is much like that pluff mud in South Carolina. If we're not moving forward, we're actually becoming more stuck where we are. And it's also like it in this way, that although we typically think I got myself in this mess and I have to get myself out of it, that's not how it works in our relationship with God. To become unstuck in our relationship with God requires God to help us. It requires Him to grab a hold of us and to pull us forward, to move us forward, to become the people He wants us to be. And in these next few weeks in this new sermon series called Unstuck, we're going to be looking at different ways God wants to help us get unstuck. Different ways that God wants to help us move forward in our relationship with Him. And my hope and prayer is that at the end of this series, we can pray the same prayer that David, who wrote so many of the Psalms, prayed in Psalm 40, beginning in verse 1 where he said this, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. You want that to be your prayer? I want that to be my prayer. A celebration of praise that God has lifted me up out of the mud. God has gotten me out of my stuckness in life. And I want to be closer with Him. And my hope is that that's what we'll experience over these next few weeks. And the way I want to talk about this morning that God wants to help us get unstuck is through a practice that many of us are familiar with. And it's through the practice of prayer. Now, prayer is something that a lot of us, we have experience with. If you've grown up in church, you might feel like you know a lot about it. And I could probably come up with some complicated definition, but for today's purposes, the definition I want to give you of prayer is simply this. Prayer is simply communication with God. That's all prayer is. We don't have to make it super complicated. And if you've ever been in a relationship you can begin to see how God uses prayer to help get us unstuck in our relationship with Him. I mean, think about the most significant relationship in your life. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your child. Maybe it's a friend. I don't know what your relationship is, but think about the most significant relationship in your life. The reality is that in that relationship, if you have poor communication or no communication, what happens? The relationship suffers, and it grows weaker, and you grow more distant. But the opposite is also true. In that significant relationship, if you have great communication, if you communicate with each other well and you're connecting, then the relationship actually grows stronger. It goes better. It becomes more intimate. And here's the funny thing is, you know, Emily and I recently married. Even if she knows what I'm thinking or what I'm feeling, When I express it to her and I tell it to her, it helps connect us on a deeper basis, even though she already knows. When we're communicating with someone else, it strengthens the relationship, and it's the same way with prayer. When we open ourselves to God, when we open up our hearts to God, open up our lives to Him, and let Him know who we really are, 
and seek to communicate with him, he helps move us forward. We draw closer to God. We become more and more the people he wants us to be in this world. And this is something that we find throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. Throughout the Old Testament, we see people praying to God on a regular basis. And so by the time Jesus comes on the scene, Jesus doesn't see that his mission is to convince people that they need to pray. Instead, he teaches them how to pray. And in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus gives the disciples and the other people listening some helpful words on prayer, some words that I want us to look at together today. So if you have your Bible, you can open up to Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 5. Listen to these words from Jesus. And when you pray, notice he, he didn't say, and if you pray, if you have time to pray, if, if you make some space, no. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. And then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray... Don't keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And here Jesus sets up this, this contrast between two different groups of people. He sets up this contrast between people who are going out and praying in public with the purpose that they'll be seen by other people. And he contrasts them with people who pray in private with the purpose of communicating and connecting with God. And notice he says this one group, hey, they might get rewarded here on earth, they might get some kind of accolades, they might get some kind of power, but that's all fine and good. But those people who go and private and those people who pray to me to connect with me those people will receive their reward in heaven and don't don't hear this passage like jesus is against public prayer because we know later from scripture that jesus prayed publicly here jesus isn't isn't putting private and public prayer against each other he's putting against each other the two different purposes for which we pray are we praying to be seen by others or are we praying to communicate with god and he says, we should do it to communicate with God. And when we do it, he says, don't go on babbling. Don't go on babbling thinking that we can convince God of something because of our fancy words or our flowery language. He says, no, don't worry about that. Just be yourself. And just talk with God. Let God know what's on your heart. And the interesting thing about these teachings from Jesus is that for most of us here, they're, they're not that radical. They're not that new. Most of us in here, we, we know we should pray, and yet we don't. So many of us don't pray. We're stuck in our prayer lives, and therefore we're stuck in our life with God as well. And I think there are a number of reasons why a lot of us feel stuck in our prayer lives. 
And I'm speaking as someone who's gone through many seasons of being stuck in my prayer life. But I think one of the reasons some of us get stuck in our prayer lives is that we feel like it's been too long. We haven't connected with God in a while, and so we feel like if we open up our hearts to God and we start talking with God, it's like calling up that high school classmate from 25 years ago that we haven't talked to lately, right? And we're like, oh, it's going to be so awkward when I start talking finally. Or when we, when we talk to God, we feel like, you know what, this is going to be like calling my great-grandmother and asking her for another rent check a week after it's due, right? You can only do that so many times, and we're afraid of being shamed, and we're afraid that, that God is going to come to us like that. Some of us feel like if we're going to call out to God, maybe he's not even listening. Maybe he won't hear us. But all of these views of God that keep us from coming to him in prayer, really they're distorted views of God. They're viewing God as this all-powerful, all-present, all-knowing person who is ruling from afar and who's going to be angry at us when we come to him. But that's not the God we see in Scripture. We see an all-powerful, all-present, all-knowing, all-loving God who is more like a loving parent. As Jesus says, a heavenly father. And that father is so excited when we come to him in prayer. He's so excited. He wants to love us. He wants to pour out his presence upon us. He loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus into this world to live, to die, and to rise again so that he could even have a relationship with us. And so God is excited when we come to him in prayer. He's excited. And some of us, we know that. But here's the thing is, we're just too busy to acknowledge that. Our lives are really, if we were honest, too busy to pray. We got school starting back. We got to go shop for school supplies. We got to get signed up for all the different events. We're in 17 Bible studies. We got to go, we got to, go to school. We got to go take the kids to all these places. We got to earn a check at work. We're trying to build lives of meaning, lives of significance. We're trying to have well-rounded children, and so we're doing all of this stuff, and we feel like we're too busy to pray, but the reality is, is that we're not too busy to pray. We're too busy not to pray. Because if we think for even a second that we can build a life with purpose, a life with meaning, a life with significance, without a relationship with God built upon prayer, then we're fooling ourselves. We're fooling ourselves. And we have time. It's just simply about priorities and how we're allotting that time. And so if you feel like you've been too busy to pray, my best advice is to simply just start praying. Adam Weber, a fellow Methodist pastor, he has a new book called Talking with God, and he says this in his book. Whether our words are few or many, our God loves hearing from us throughout the day. Like a parent, he'd much rather hear a quick hello from us than nothing at all. And to this day, every time I call my parents, Adam says, whether we talk for three minutes or half an hour, they often put me on speakerphone so they both can hear me. And at some point in every conversation, even though I'm now 35 years old, they say, we always love when you call, Adam. We're glad that you did. We love talking with you. That's the God we're praying to. That's the God who wants a relationship with us. He's excited. He's waiting for us. And even if it's only starting out with, with just a minute or just a few minutes or just in that line, starting to pray, wherever you are is a great place to begin. But some of us, we, we know God wants to hear from us. We 
know that we can find time in our schedules to pray and we can rearrange things, but some of us, if we're honest, we, we don't really know how to pray. We've seen people pray in church, but we avoid it like the plague and we've never really had it modeled for us. And I was definitely at that point in one place in my life. When I was younger and growing in my faith, I didn't know a ton about prayer. But one day, one of my Sunday school teachers taught us a lesson. He taught me a lesson many years ago and actually have the notes from the lesson written inside of this old student study Bible that I, my church gave me when I was growing up. And he gave us a lesson on a model of prayer that changed my prayer life. And ultimately, it changed my life with God because it increased intimacy in that relationship. And this morning, I want to share that model with you, not as some model that you have to abide by, but it's simply as something that I found helpful. Because this model is based on different types of prayer that we find throughout the Bible. And different types of prayer, they're kind of like different food groups, right? If you went around just eating desserts, you would be one type of person. If you went around just eating starches, your body would react in one way. If you went around just eating protein all the time, your body would react a different way. And so really when we have a diet, we want a balanced diet with proteins, with starches, with vegetables, with dessert. You know, you got to have dessert in there, right? you got to have a well-balanced diet. And so this model of prayer helps get at different aspects of prayer so that we have a healthy prayer life. And the model you'll see in your teaching notes, it's simply based on an acronym, ACTS. Acts. And each letter represents a different type of prayer. And so I want to go through those with you in hopes that they'll be helpful for you like they've been for me. And the first letter and the first type of prayer in this model is A, for prayers of adoration. Adoration. And now this is the type of prayer that most of us leave out of our prayer life and most of us never get to. Because most of us, when we come to God, the first thing we do is we tell God what's on our hearts. We tell God what's on our mind. We start with ourselves. But when we start with prayers of adoration, really we're not starting with ourselves, but we're starting instead with God. We're starting with who God is and what God has done for us. And that's fitting, right? Because we wouldn't even be able to pray if God hadn't created us. If God hadn't sent his son Jesus into this world to save us and to restore his relationship with us. And so it's fitting to start with God when we pray. And prayers of adoration or prayers of praise, it's simply like giving adoration or praise to someone here on earth, right? What happens when you want to celebrate your child? You, you name an accomplishment that they've done and you celebrate it. Or you name a character attribute. And you celebrate it, you call it out in them. And so that's what we do with God. We simply give God praise and adoration for who he is and for what he's done. And in the Psalms, we find a great example of this. In Psalm 111, David says this, Praise the Lord. I will thank the Lord with all my heart as I meet with his godly people. How amazing are the deeds of the Lord. All who delight in him should ponder them. Everything he does reveals his glory and majesty. His righteousness never fails. He causes us to remember his wonderful works. Hear these words of adoration. How gracious and merciful is our Lord. And so a great place to start is to start with God by giving him praise and adoration. 
And then the next letter is C, which stands for confession. And it's another type of prayer that many of us oftentimes we, we don't pray anymore. But prayers of confession are huge because they help us be honest with where we are in our relationship with God. They help us be honest with who we are. It's us bringing the darkness in our lives before the light of our holy God. But these are hard for us, right? Because we live in a culture today in which people don't like taking personal responsibility for anything they do. And so all over, we we see non-apology apologies. We see people saying, you know, oh, sorry that happened. And so often, even ourselves, we don't want to take ownership for things. But prayers of confession are us taking ownership of the sin in our life and coming honestly before God and saying, God, here's where I failed. Here's where I've sinned against you. Here's where I've sinned against other people. It's us bringing all of the bad news in our life before God and it's us stopping the hiding that we so often do. But when we bring this bad news before God, here's the good news. 1 John 1.9 says that if we confess our sins to God, He is faithful and just and will purify us from all unrighteousness. That's the good news is that when we confess our sins to God through prayer, He promises to forgive us. And that's good news. That's great news. It should draw us closer to God. And so when we do prayers of confession, it's helping restore that relationship. It's helping draw us closer. And we see these throughout Scripture as well. One of the most famous prayers of confession is Psalm 51, which David wrote after he committed adultery with Bathsheba. After he had committed adultery, he prayed this prayer to God, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. And you know what happened after he prayed this prayer? He was forgiven. He was forgiven because there's no sin so great in our lives that if we confess it to God with a truly repentant heart that He won't forgive us for. God can forgive us for anything. He simply calls us to come to Him to confess the sin and the darkness in our lives and to turn away from those things and turn towards Him. And when we do that, He helps move us forward. He helps us become unstuck. And after praying a prayer of confession, the most fitting thing I know to do is to pray a prayer of thanksgiving. Write a prayer of thanksgiving for all that God has done for us. A prayer of thanksgiving that He would forgive even me. And for a lot of us, prayers of thanksgiving come pretty easily. It's us simply thanking God for what He's done on our behalf or other people's behalf in the world. These are really fun prayers. If if you don't have a prayer life as a family, this is a great way to start it. Simply with prayers of thanksgiving together. To just say, thank you, God, for this. Thank you, God, for this. One of the things Emily and I do is each night, right when we get in bed, we pray prayers of thanksgiving to God, looking back over the last 24 hours, just thanking Him. And what's interesting is that nowadays in modern psychology, 
There's a lot of research on giving thanks and on gratitude. And what the researchers have found is that when we express gratitude, even if it's in our hearts or just thinking it in our minds or writing it down or telling it to other people, what happens is our brain actually can change and we actually become healthier and happier people. It's almost like we were created to give thanks, right? And we were. We were created to give thanksgiving to God. And that brings us to the final type of prayer in this model, and that is prayers of supplication. Now, this is a big word that really not many people use, but it was the word in the acronym, so I'm giving it to you. And supplication simply means offering prayers for oneself or for others. It's simply making a request to God. And this is the type of prayer that you're most familiar with. This is saying, God, I need you to do this. God, will you help me do this? It's simply us petitioning God for what we need or what we desire in our life. And something interesting happened a few years ago when I was teaching on prayer and I invited people to pray for themselves at the end of that time. Someone from the church I was at, and he was a leader in the church, he had grown up in the church, he said, Jonathan, that was wild. I had never prayed for myself before. And I was like, wait, what? He said, I had never prayed for myself because I always thought that praying for myself was a selfish thing to do. And I was astonished because I had never heard of anybody saying that before. And I was astonished because praying for ourselves isn't a selfish thing. It's actually a very selfless thing. Because when we're praying to God, we're admitting to God that we can't do it ourselves. We're saying to God, God, I can't make it on my own. I need you. Praying a prayer for ourselves to God is actually a profound act of faith and surrender. It's us telling God that we're needy people. And God welcomes those prayers of supplication for ourselves. He wants us to pray them, but Here's the thing, back to the metaphor about the balanced diet. If we're just praying prayers for ourselves, that might be like eating dessert all the time, and that's not good. And so we should keep it balanced with these other types of prayers, and we shouldn't just pray prayers of supplication for ourselves. We should also pray them for other people. We should pray them for our spouses, for our families, for our church body, for our co-workers. God calls us to make prayers of intercession, that is to intercede, to speak up on the behalf of someone else. And when we do that, God draws us closer together as a body, as people. He binds our hearts together in love. He helps us carry one another's burdens. And what's interesting is that so often when we pray to God, it's not this profound thing where our prayers change God. The profound thing is that God uses our prayers to change us. And God uses our prayers to change other people. And so throughout the years, as a linear thinker, as kind of a structured thinker, I found this model helpful for me. I found it helpful, but I don't always use it. Sometimes I, I take a journal and I simply journal out my prayers so that I can look back later on and see what I've prayed and how God's answered it. Sometimes I just go on a walk. 
and I simply just talk with God in the stillness of my heart out in nature. Sometimes if it's a really remote area, I'll just talk out loud on the walk to God. And people might think that's weird, but, you know, that's okay. Sometimes I pray when I'm driving. Anybody here pray when you're driving? Now, here's the key to praying when you're driving. Don't close your eyes, okay? Don't do it. That's bad. Yeah, you can pray when you're driving. You can pray in in a prayer closet or a separate space in your home. There's lots of different ways I've prayed throughout my life, and there's honestly different types of prayer for different seasons in my life. And I don't think the important thing is exactly the method or the model of how we're praying. I think the thing that God cares most about is that we're praying and that we're opening up ourselves to Him. God doesn't want prayer to just be a checkbox we check off each day. Check, got my prayer done. Check A, check C, check T. No, He doesn't want it to be like that. He wants it to be about communication with Him. He wants us to open ourselves up in prayer so that He can pour out Himself upon us. So that we, when we're opening up our arms, can be received by Him. He can pull us and help move us forward into the people He's created us to be. And that Sunday school teacher who taught me this model, he also taught me a phrase that I I still love to this day. He used to always say, don't just talk about it, be about it. Don't just talk about prayer, pray. Don't just talk about serving other people, serve other people. And so throughout this series, we're not just going to talk about different ways that God wants to help us get unstuck. We're actually going to begin trying to live them out together. And so today, as we close out this service, we've actually built in about seven minutes of prayer time for you. So that way, if you feel like you've been too busy to pray lately, well, hey, guess what? you got the time right here. If you feel like you haven't been sure how to pray, maybe this model of praying with the ACTS acronym, maybe that'll be helpful for you. If you felt like you're not sure if God is going to hear you when you pray or if it's if it's too late know this morning that God is ready God wants you to come to him God wants that relationship with you he wants that communication to begin right now and so the band is going to play for the next few minutes and it's just going to be instrumental music and I want to invite you to pray however you feel comfortable For many of you, it might just be sitting in your seat and praying there with your eyes closed or maybe with your eyes open towards heaven. Some of you, you might want to stand or go to the back. Some of you might want to come up and kneel. Some of you, quite honestly, you might want to go home and pray in the privateness of your own home. And that's okay. If that's you, you're dismissed to go pray. God wants a relationship with us. He wants us to open up ourselves so that he can grab a hold of us and help get us unstuck and help move us forward. But this morning as we pray, I don't want us to just pray for ourselves. I also want to give you the opportunity to pray for one another. And so in your bulletin, you'll notice that there's a 3 by 5 index card. Most of you should have one. And if you're willing to open up something going on in your life to other people, I'd love for you to write 
simply a prayer request on that card, a prayer request for yourself or for someone connected to your life. And we have this little prayer exchange wall over here. And so if you'd like to share your prayer request with somebody else so they can be praying for you, and if you'd like to pray for someone else, all you have to do is simply write it on that card, come put it on a clothespin, and then take someone else's prayer. Because God wants us to intercede and to pray for one another as well. And so as we begin this time together, we'll close it out with a song and with a sending out, but as we begin this time of prayer together, I want you to get comfortable. And I want to invite you to get real. To get real with God and just start talking. Let's pray together. Almighty God, you are so good. You are so good to us even though we don't deserve it and we thank you for your grace and for your mercy and for your presence in our lives God we thank you that even when we turn our backs on you you were there ready with outstretched arms to grab a hold of us so God we pray that as we open up our hearts to you in these next moments of worship we pray that you would grab us that you would grab us and you would just help us get unstuck in all the different areas of our lives where we feel like we're not moving. God, we're not going to come to you today with fancy or flowery language. We just want to come and simply be real and start talking. So God, we ask now that you would hear our prayers.